history of Hannibal. Episode 21. My Side of the Mountains. Taken aback is a good way to describe how Publius Cornelius Scipio felt. He had been voted consul for the year 218 BC, where he was to prepare to lead the Roman invasion of Spain in 217. Then, reports came in that Hannibal was up to something in Spain. So, Scipio went to Massilia to investigate, thinking Hannibal to be around the Pyrenees. Only to find out that he wasn't around the Pyrenees. He was around the River Rhone. To see if this was true, he sent 300 cavalry north to investigate. Hannibal, who was crossing the Rhone, found out the Romans were in the area, and so sent 500 Numidian horsemen to scout. While only a small skirmish ensued between the scouts, this would be the first conflict between the Romans and the Carthaginians in the Second Punic War. For such a small fight, the fighting was brutal, and losses were quite large. The Romans were on the point of breaking when the Numidians routed. The Romans lost 160, while the Numidians lost 200. Livy says in Book 21, Chapter 29, This preliminary skirmish might be taken as an omen for what was to come portending final victory for Rome, but, at the same time, a victory far from bloodless, and only won after a struggle of which the issue was to be long in doubt. I suspect that Livy may be reading slightly too much into this, being romantic and whatnot, but it is an interesting idea to think about and I'm a sucker for romanticism. So, what did the two commanders do, now they knew that they were both in the same area? Scipio realised that he would need to react to Hannibal's moves. By ignoring the independent will of the enemy, earlier, Rome had lost the initiative. If it ever had it. To Hannibal, there were two options he could take. He could either fight Scipio now, or he could carry on with his invasion of Italy. His troops had a healthy respect for Roman arms. The lessons of the First Punic War were not lost on them, but they still wanted to fight. Hannibal was able to realise, with help from a timely arrival from a delegation of the boy, saying that they would act as guides, helped remind Hannibal that Italy was the true prize. He did not want to needlessly weaken his forces here. His troops were becoming very nervous now, though. They were almost at the Alps. You need to remember, this had never been done before. These troops did not want to cross the Alps. It could not be done. Hannibal thus spoke to them. It was the usual ancient inspirational speech. Look at how many incredible things you've done, the road ahead isn't that hard, and the Romans are terrible, so let's go kill them. 
The troops are inspired, and Hannibal begins his journey across the Alps. As we've just seen, he didn't want to fight the Romans until he was in Italy. So, he marched north, towards central Gaul. He figured that this way, there would be less Roman resistance. The exact path he took is disputed. Livy says he arrived at the junction of the Isaras and the Rhone, and that these two rivers formed two sides of a triangle which was completed by some mountains. The area inside the triangle was called the island. We have, well, uh, no idea really where this is. We can guess, though. Ideas for what the Isaras is are the river Aiguez and the river Isare, which both sound quite similar to Isaras, along with many others. Anyway, the people who lived in the island, wherever that is, were the Allobroges. The Allobroges were currently in the midst of a civil dispute which Hannibal ended, placing the elder of the two feuding brothers, Brancus, on the throne. The most famous historical event involving the Allobroges is the Catiline Conspiracy. In 63 BC, some Roman wannabe rebels tried to enlist the help of the Allobroges in overthrowing the established government. The Allobroges tricked the rebels into signing their names, committing themselves to revolt, and the Allobroges turned the list of names over to the Senate. That has nothing at all to do with Hannibal, actually, so let's move on. Hannibal reached the river Duentia, the modern Drome, which was particularly difficult to cross, as it was made up of a number of constantly changing channels with shallows and deep potholes, which changed from day to day. The troops crossed in a disorderly manner, making it needlessly more complicated. But it was managed. By this time, Scipio arrived at Hannibal's camp on the Rhone. Three days late, his troops were ready for conflict, They were in battle formations, but there was no enemy to fight. Scipio decided that he would be unable to catch up to Hannibal. It was just too far ahead. He thus returned downstream, back to Massilia. If he was to fight Hannibal, better to do so in Italy rather than Gaul or the Alps. But while he knew he had to deal with Hannibal... He had to go to Spain. He couldn't do both. The direction of the whole war was in Scipio's hands. He decided to send his brother Gnaeus onto Spain with most of his forces to try and face Hasdrubal, doing his best to rally the Spanish to the Roman cause. He himself would return with a small force to Genoa, the modern Genoa with the intention of defending Italy, with the four legions already stationed in the Po from last week. This was an excellent choice. The army in Spain would prevent Hasdrubal reinforcing Hannibal, one of the main factors in the eventual result. 
Now, back to Hannibal. He carried on from the River Juentia slash River Drone up towards the Alps. Put yourself in the mindset of these troops. You've been on a long, hard march, around 600 miles. You're further from home than you've ever been before. All the while, there have been stories going around. Stories about the Alps. Terrible stories. About how hard the crossing would be. The fierce natives. You would much rather be home. Not here. But your General Hannibal is enduring your hardships with you as you march. The natives haven't been particularly difficult. They haven't caused any trouble since that business when crossing the Rhone a week or so back. Hannibal has been telling you that things won't be that bad. Perhaps you start to believe him. Then you see the Alps. I'll give you Livy's description. Book 21, Chapter 32. The dreadful vision was now before their eyes. The towering peaks, the snow-clad pinnacles soaring to the sky. The rude huts clinging to the rocks. Beast and cattle shriveled and parched with cold. The people with their wild and ragged hair. All nature, animate and inanimate, stiff with frost. All this and other sights the horror of which words cannot express, gave a fresh sense to their apprehension. The troops marched on in their column, Gallic tribesmen lurking, watching, perhaps waiting for the right moment to ambush. Imagine, if you will, almost every television cliché of sailing up the Amazon or the Congo or the Nile or some other tropical river. The first one that springs to mind is episode 8 of season 5 of The Simpsons, Boy Scouts in the Hood. That scene of sailing down the river, very slowly, with eyes lurking in the darkness between the trees, not knowing who they are and what they are going to do. Are they just curious? Or are they planning an attack? It's very creepy. Or it would be if the scene hadn't been repeated as nauseam. Hannibal soon halted, and sent his guides onward to scout out the area while he made camp. When the guides returned, they informed him that the natives held the pass ahead only during the day, and returned to their homes at night. He approached the pass the next day, but then returned back to the camp, which had been fortified during the day. He then led the bravest of his light infantry to the pass during the night, and seized the heights, before being joined by the rest of his army the next day. As the tribesmen assembled in the usual place, they were faced with a fait accompli, or so it seemed. They soon recovered from their shell-shocked state, especially when they saw the Carthaginian force losing cohesion in the narrow pass through a combination of excitement, confusion, and terrified horses. 
the tribesmen swarmed down from the slopes, and the Carthaginians had to fight both the oncoming terror and the difficulty of holding their own positions in the narrow pass. As they fought every man for themselves, they soon ended up fighting each other in their race to get out. The horses, because of the din, the echoing, and the re-echoing, were very soon out of control, lashing out. Both non-combatants and soldiers from both sides were flung over the cliffs and fell to their deaths. The pack animals with their loads also tumbling into the doom. Hannibal stayed out of the conflict, fearing that if he joined the fray with his vanguard, he would only add to the confusion. But it soon became clear that if he didn't act, his troops would be doomed anyway. They would lose all their gear. He charged, adding to the confusion, but only momentarily. Soon, his men realised what was going on, and the enemy fled. The Carthaginians were able to get their acts together, and safely made it through. The Gallic chief was captured, and enough supplies were taken to supply the army for three days. For three days, the army made good progress, until Hannibal fell into a trap. A trap that will wait for next week. If you've enjoyed the show, you can find us online in all the usual places. Thehistoryofpodcast.blogspot.com Facebook.com forward slash thehistoryofpodcast Twitter.com forward slash thehistoryofpod YouTube.com forward slash thehistoryofpodcast thehistoryofpodcast at gmail.com and the History Podcast's Facebook group. If you have any questions about the podcast, about Rome, about the Punic Wars, about Alexander the Great, about me, please send them in for the 25th episode. And don't forget the live show in York, Sunday the 25th of November, 5pm, the Black Swan Inn. Also, just so you know, episodes 2 and 3 of Hannibal have been re-recorded. So go download the new improved version of those. I'll see you next week when we carry on taking Hannibal over the Alps. Thanks for listening. <laughs>